Um, yeah, so today we're talking about Die With Zero, a really great quick read by Bill Perkins about kind of a unique concept of, you know, rather than trying to just accumulate as much money as possible, like um, a lot, maybe a lot of other investment books uh, would propose you do, this is about how to optimize your life with the money that you have. And how do you plan out your life to where you can use your money on valuable experiences when you're healthy and young and, you know, have the means to do so and die with as little as possible so that, you know, it's actually harder than you would think to calculate out what that number is. So we're going to be talking about that. (laughs) Sorry if that was too wordy. No, that (laughs) was good. That was a really good breakdown, actually. (laughs) Um, And with us tonight, we have our good friend, Megan, friend of the pod. Avid special guest, avid listener, and (laughs) mega fan. Megan, (laughs) mega fan. That's right. Um, Who actually had recommended this book to me, and then I coerced you all to read it. Thank you for the recommendation. I feel like you actually have Megan. You actually have a really big influence on this podcast because a lot of times Julie will be like, "Me and Megan are doing this," and then we'll all be like, "Should we all be doing this?" (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is Vaginance. I'm Megan. I'm Maggie. I'm Jules. I'm Taylor. And Becca is not here, but she is here in spirit. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and she's a handy she's spirit. She's still alive. <laughs> Praise be. Um, so yeah, for typically when we invite guests onto the show, we ask a few standard questions to get to know you a little bit. All right, so Megan, um, can you tell us about a financial mistake in your life? Yes, I can. Um, I would say probably, certainly I've made a lot of financial mistakes, but I think the most recent one that I felt like I really regretted was just handing over all of my personal finances when I was married. Um, I run a business and I've always managed all the business finances, even when I had a business partner who was also male. Um but I just was like, I think so overwhelmed with all of that, that I was like, yeah, sure, he can handle this. And um, I regretted that. And as we sort of like disentangled our finances, I'm now left with like all sorts of weird financial investments that he made. <laughs> <laughs> that you get um, to learn about. That I get to learn about how to pull myself out of. Um, I didn't end up with any of the doomsday prep stuff or... Any of the gold and silver that was kept, but some of the some of the stocks, I'm like, okay, all right. But oh, I'm so curious what weird stocks he invested. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'll send you a list. Um, but yeah, no. By the end, I was like, what are? But yeah, there. And then when the pandemic happened, our everything had already unraveled. But like, there was the, the huge tank in the market, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the biggest fights we actually ever had, where he wanted to sell all of our stock that day. <sighs> So this would have been like March, April, 2020. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That is the dumbest thing you could do. And the problem was that he had been in like the world is ending mode for so long that he, he like that was it. He was like, oh this is the God. end. Like, we just need to get out now. And I was like, no. Um, I was like, this is exactly what we don't do. This is exactly what we don't do. And I'm I'm sure he sold some stuff because he was like, it was such a knockdown drag out fight. Um, but most of it he did not because I was just like, no. Good for um, you. But yeah. So that would have been a really brutal uptick because it, it bounced so fast back. Oh my God. Um, well, and then since then, 
I think we've talked about the fact that there's this crazy stat that the the archetypal person who is most likely to sell out at the bottom of the market in a panic mm-hmm. is married men with children. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I could see that, yeah. Which is not what anyone, I think, would like initially guess or assume. It makes a lot of sense once you think about it. But that's horrifying. Yeah. Because they literally have the so much responsibility. I think that's why, though, right? Th- and that's why, but it's just the, like exact the crushing weight. Of what yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Wow. So yeah, that was a financial mistake. Um, I've made other ones. Too. Well, it sounds like <laughs> you <laughs> the most recent one. It sounds like it wasn't your financial mistake. It sounds like you were fighting for the right thing, right? But I think sort of just handing everything over initially, like that happened right, like right. fairly far into it, and it was sort of like you know he. Is, is he's super smart and was very interested in the stock market and, you know, actually made a lot of good choices. Mm-hmm. But it's just hard for me to parse through now because I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm just going to put it all in an index fund. Mm-hmm. Um, So oh, having yeah. like all these stocks, I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, they've done well, but it's just like, it's too much to like kind of try to figure out. And I think I ceded too much control. And I wonder like how if things would have been different, but... Anyway, I guess the upside of that is I always had money in my business, which made it possible to actually leave. Because if I didn't have my own accounts, I don't, I don't think that I would have been able to. That's nice. crazy. Somehow you didn't know what you were doing, but you were protecting yourself. Yes. Yep. Question number two. Can you tell us about your relationship with money over the years? Sure. Um, I feel like it's changed a lot. I would say that I grew up in a house where people didn't talk about money. My mom hid a lot of stuff from my mom, my dad. So I think at first it kind of money was like something that scared me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started to make my own money and I realized that I was responsible, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, this is kind of empowering. Um, I started out as a teacher and... I was like able to save money on a teacher's salary in New York. And That's I felt like extremely impressive. Yeah, I felt um like more I guess in control. Mm-hmm. Um and then I guess more recently I felt kind of caught by money. Like I was like, do I have enough to leave? Can I do this on my own? Um and now that I'm disentangled, I feel like it provides a lot of freedom. And this book, I guess, made me think a lot about that. But I think it's interesting that your relationship with money sounds like you matured into money fairly early. Like once you started making money, you were mature about it. Because for me, and we can talk about it because it relates to the book, I, for a long time, was like, that's a later Maggie problem. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go into debt because hopefully later in life, I'll be making more money and I can fix this then. And I just didn't save at all until I was Mm -hmm. making a lot more money. So... It's interesting that you as a teacher living in New York, which is a very expensive place to live, were saving money. Yeah. I think it's also just like, I think somewhat like I inherited it, like that kind of stuff from my dad. Um, my dad grew up on a dairy farm and he's like one of 11 kids. And um, it's it was funny, like my grandmother died recently, but to go with her to the grocery store, she was still like having lived through the Great Depression, like mm. would look at things and buy something that was like two pennies less. And I feel like it's like I paid attention to the things that my dad said because my mom didn't talk that much about money and it just sort of like really seeped in. So I don't know that it was a conscious 
So right. I don't get a gold star for it. It was sort of just well, like you don't not get a gold star for it. <laughs> it's you know, it's so funny to me that so many people have similar stories of growing up where they just never really had a relationship with money. They never talked about money because I feel like if I were a parent, all I would do is complain to my child about how expensive they were. <laughs> like, all I would do is be like, do you know how much this costs? Look at the spreadsheets. <laughs> I had to work two days to buy you this stupid toy. Play with it. It's like, <laughs> it's all I would do is talk about money. <laughs> It's interesting, like, now that I'm a parent, I am a little bit like, how much of this do I talk about with you guys? Mm -hmm. It's crazy how different it was growing up versus now, like, all the different ways that, you know, people engage with money and teach their kids about money. I feel like there's a lot more, it seems like there's a lot more transparency now with with parents. Yeah. I would say that's, it seems like that to me in a lot of different Mm -hmm. arenas. Mm -hmm. Do we have another question for Megan? All right, so Megan, what's something you wish someone, anyone, had told you years before you learned it yourself? Does this be about money? No, no, no. Anything. anything. Okay, okay. So I feel like my mom told me growing up that it was the one of the most important decisions you make is who you marry, and she also then said nothing else about that. Mm. And I wish somebody had talk to me about the things that you should think about, which goes back to what you were talking about earlier. But it's just like the things that are important to you, like how you want your life to feel. And yeah, I feel like I fell into marriage and I didn't really think a lot about. When you say like what you want your life to feel like, do you mean like what your house looks like or what your... No, I mean kind of like in your relationship, like what, what it feels like to be in that relationship. And I, maybe part of it is I just didn't date enough. I don't know. But I feel like some people, one of my good friends from high school is married to the guy that she met freshman year in college and they're still happily married. Um, so I feel like some people fall into it or maybe they have more of a sense of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I just got like Catholic schooled about how never to have sex and also that you should get married, but then nothing really beyond that. Well, it's not a recipe for success. Uh, so no, that's definitely not. Yeah, I feel like that is such a common story with so many people I know. Like, it's like how can you expect someone to thrive if you don't give them the tools and the knowledge? Right. Any any framework whatsoever. Any framework. Right. And most of our parents didn't have super successful loving relationships, and it's right. like this cycle, right? Yeah, I don't blame them for it actually, because it's like I actually think they were fairly happy aside from. The again, multi, the mental health stuff and alcoholism that sort of manifested itself. Yes, I think they were happy, and I think that was almost just luck. I don't know, but life is long now, and like if you're seriously going to have children with somebody and like have a partner, it's like it's a pretty big decision. Mm-hmm. I think I struggled a lot when I was younger with always feeling like I was supposed to be with someone and feeling very yes. like inadequate or mm-hmm. like. I, something was missing from me if I wasn't with someone. But in hindsight, I'm really glad that I didn't find like a solid relationship till I was a little bit older. I mean, still in my 30s, but a little bit older because then I did have like a bunch of dating experience. And I was like, man, I went through a bunch of terrible relationships. Yeah. Dozens of them. And now I like mm-hmm. can see the goodness of this one. Right. Yeah. So. Like, I was miserable, feeling lonely, and, like, I was not doing something right. But in hindsight, maybe that was better? <laughs> Question mark. I think it is. I think the thing for me, too, is I I knew I wanted children. So I felt that, like, 
real pressure. Mm -hmm. Time pressure. Time pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I mean, who knows, but um, yeah. And I guess dovetail on that. I feel like it's also just about trusting your intuition Mm -hmm. because I think I knew something was off and I didn't know to trust my intuition. And I feel like my parents taught me not to. And I don't think they meant to, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a hippy dippy thing to say, but no, I it's a thousand percent accurate. Yeah. I don't think there's anything more true that has been said. Like, <laughs> it's just it's society hard to think about. teaches women not yes. to trust their intuition, yes. and we are fucking spot on every time. Yeah. We are like, <laughs> and I even watch my son, and I have to like s- sort of. I, I try to be really mindful to just you know let them be and not sort of mess with that because i feel like mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like we're born with it and then we get like fucked up but. yeah so if you were trying to help someone who was in a relationship early on they haven't been through a lot of failure <laughs> like relationship fails are there a few things that come to mind as sort of a framework that you would think about now if you could go back and talk to your younger self if they're on the precipice of making that decision. Like have the conversations before. I think it's like that idea of like, it is yes or it is no. And if you're like, but maybe should I? It's no. Perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. Like I think that the honest truth is that like I totally understand that things, that relationships aren't perfect. They're like very complex and that people like in healthy, happy relationships have ups and downs. Um, and I'm the kind of person that was willing to gut it out. That's what I was taught to do was just gut it out. But I think, I think, you know, deep down whether something is like fundamentally right for you, even if it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. That's well, a really and that's such a really emotionally difficult decision to make is when when is the where is the line yeah Mm -hmm. right because in like you said we're taught to sort of doubt ourselves but also to stick it out so that line keeps getting pushed and pushed Mm -hmm. and pushed and then you're like years later you're like i should have fucking done this i should have ended this years ago and yeah i think that's a pretty common story sunk costs are so high by that point and it ties in beautifully to die with zero, right? It really so much does. Of, so much of that I is I did that on don't... purpose. Perfect. Perfect. Pro. Absolute pro. No, it, it really does. I wasn't even trying to tie it in, but it does. It made me think about die with zero because so much of your everything you do is giving your life energy away. It's time spent that you will never get back. And like you really have to evaluate, is this experience worth this? Not just, you know, it's not just the money that you spend on experiences, the time you spend on experiences with people that you love. And yeah, is that is that time that you're spending really, really worth it? Is it gonna pay off, you know, either in the moment or in the, you know, in the long run? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the book was Life is a constant balance of living in the moment and planning for the future. And I I feel that so hard. I think about that probably 20 times a day <laughs> where I'm like, should I be doing this? Is this worth it? Is this fun? Do I need to be doing something more fun? Is this worth the extra hours I'm putting in at work? Like you just call every decision you make is, is this worth it in the moment? Is it going to pay off in the long run? Like how do I balance those things? I'm also guilty and have always been guilty of spending way too much time in the planning for the future stage and yeah. not enough time in the living in the moment stage. But I love thinking about the future. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Me too. It's you know what's exciting. <laughs> you know what's a great way to just rent yourself out of that is have a tiny child. 
<laughs> yeah, I, and then you're like, I have no time to do any planning. Are you alive? Have you eaten? Have I slept? Are we all wearing clothes? <laughs> I can't even take care of myself properly. Like, yeah, I just me neither. Me neither. Can't imagine being successful in parenthood, and it like terrifies me because, like you said, like everyone's parents fuck them up, and I'm like, what? In what new and interesting ways am I gonna fuck some? <laughs> kid up that yeah. I didn't even think of. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to do what my parents did. I'm going to do something probably worse. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, and this is way off on a tangent, I feel like people I know that didn't really experience any hardship are struggling mightily in their 30s. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't know. Absolutely. Well, like is if it you that never had anything that? bad happen, it's just like, I remember when like the power went out and I was like, one of my friends was like, was acting like it was like the total end of the world and it was terrible i mean we went i had two kids and it was like six days without water or power where i was but still i was just like you actually still have power and you don't have children you're trying to take care of and like this is the end of the world for you but it just it's like i feel like a little bit of struggle gives you a little bit of grit yeah oh so you know people's level of (laughs) resiliency for a couple weeks i will say on record when when uh that happened we had power, no children, just a bunch of dogs, and we were fucking loving life. We were like, we got it easy right now. We were playing games and getting drunk every night. So <laughs> I love well, that for you. I fucking love that. We for appreciated you. it. <laughs> well, you had the upgrade because you started that adventure here at my house. We did with yeah. my extra dogs, <laughs> yeah. and there was no power. Yeah, about an but hour extra dog heat. <laughs> yeah, there was no heat here. Yeah, no, but the dogs body heat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. They yeah. are chunky little. I I had power but no water, but I had so many friends without power or water that I ended up taking in three additional humans and three dogs in my 800 square foot house, one bedroom house with no water at the time. And it was not a great time (laughs) because we had to hike over to Taylor's house to get gallons of water to flush the toilets. Oh, no. no. So it's yeah. like, all right, everyone gets one flush a day. You see why? I did want to ask y'all, it's book related. Are you an ant or a grasshopper? Do you remember this? It's at the beginning of the book. I mean, it's also like the parallel from like the fable, right? Yeah. Are you the Were grass? The, the ants doing so, a good job saving up, but yep. then doesn't live an exciting life. Exactly. The grasshopper. Yes. I mean, can't you be both? That's the whole point, right? Yeah, I you think I'm an I, ant. I, I'm, a, point... I'm a pendulum swinger, or am I just a grasshopper? What do you I tell me? Okay, so the you tell me. What do you think? You're a grasshopper. Okay, I'm a grasshopper. I think I'm a grasshopper. I'm singing tunes on my little. I legs. think you're a grass more. Yeah, I think there's a right. There's a you know there's spectrum. Yeah. Becca's not here, but you're more. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, I am, Megan, you I am listening. This I'm just she listening. Megan, you should just like you should just pretend to be Becca because you already know. <laughs> this is like guess the price. It is yeah. Assign assign the role. Yeah, I think Becca's more of an ant. I think Julie's more of a grasshopper. I think you're more of a grasshopper. I think I probably am too. And I think I'm more of a grasshopper. Because yeah, when I see something that I want and I'm like, I probably don't need that. I'm getting it anyway. <laughs> Becca's the one of us that probably spends more time really thinking that decision through. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a little more, uh, to me, it's like, wh- where did you start from? You know, like you could teach yourself the other. I find myself having to teach myself to be a grasshopper. But it's like, yeah, like what's your default setting? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think my default is grasshopper and I'm so scared of now that I have a little bit of money, I'm so scared of losing it that I'm like going like ultra ant in the other direction, but my grasshopper senses are still, I don't like this metaphor anymore. I, this like, is great. <laughs> <laughs> now I like, I still spend a bunch of money on shit, but then I feel really guilty about it. Mm. <laughs> no time for guilt. I know, and- I know, I know. Time spent making decisions is also a cost. It is so true. Yeah. Taylor, you get to ask your question now. Oh, yes. So, Megan, what's your favorite sex toy? I'm not into sex toys. That's the answer? Yeah. <laughs> like, because we have some... Is your own Desmond Catholic, you want, like, upbringing? <laughs> 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 Oh my gosh. No, Julia was like, you should share this. Uh, I was like, we don't have any representation yet on the podcast for people who are in the I'm just not into sex toys camp. So please, I would love if you might be that for us. Yeah, I don't know. Just seems like, you know, too much work. (laughs) (laughs) That I understand. Now that I disagree with. It is less work. (laughs) Yeah, that's the (laughs) the cleaning after. For me, it's less work. (laughs) Yeah. Julie's like, but I have a lot of recommendations, and I'm like, I don't have a lot of time. No, but that's <laughs> monetarily though, it can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. that. The air pulser mm-hmm. from Walmart is like thirty five dollars, and it's Does like Walmart do sex toys. Yes, girl, because girl. everybody needs them. Oh my god, it is an American necessity. I'm pretty sure at one, of, not the one around here, but one of the, like big HEBs that's on like the outskirts, like in Buda or like Bastrop. I saw a vibrator next what? to the lube section. Amazing. I'm yeah. going to start. H-E-B. I don't, I don't go shopping that much, but I'm going to start looking. So are we going on a field trip to the Head Plus on Riverside? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Can we get secret recording devices and go to a sex store and just like record each other's conversations in the sex store? Yeah. Please. Yes. Because I'm not typically surprised anymore these days, but I'm still surprised these days by some things. Yep. Okay, so not really into sex toys. Have you experimented with a lot? And just you're not just feeling it or you just don't really have time for it? I don't really have time for it. I think somebody talked me into going to a store like a long time ago. Like mm-hmm. I'm so old. I don't know, 15 years ago. And I was just like, I don't know. They, I, I don't know. I'm just. Would. Okay, question. Follow up question. I'm not convinced. <laughs> We're all in shock here, so I did not prepare them for like this. Anonymous, like weird Amazon delivery. I mean, don't think it's I not have not the realm. Don't think I have not pulled up things multiple times since I've known you and just almost sent them. If it weren't for the kids, they would have already been on your doorstep. But this is gonna have to be a hand delivered situation. Oh. I, I think that delivered. someone might need a vaginance care package center. Oh <laughs> yes. Oh I've yes, got we some will things scheme. I can contribute. <laughs> um this is my- the kind of merch y'all should actually be doing. Yes. About yes. Sex it's not a bad, but like in you know like when you buy the baskets during Easter and it's like <laughs> yes. it should be like that. Mm-hmm. There'll be chocolate too. Oh fuck yeah. Well that one subscription box I had wasn't just sex toys. Sometimes it'd be like nice candles and bath bombs and like I really honestly use some of that other stuff more than the sex toys. I was like, man, I fucking love this body wash. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing. Self-care. Um my follow-up question was, do you feel like if you 
had a partner that was into sex toys that they wanted to use together, that that would be something you would be open to? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I would be like, all right. Okay. I was just curious if it was like, no, not at all. Or just like, no, no not I'm by not myself. Like, I'm like, not like, it's not like I'm morally opposed. I'm just like, this feels like some, like another thing on my to-do list. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You're on its to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> you got this maniacal look in your eye right before you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. That was a good one, Taylor. That was really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think my whole life was culminating to this moment. I think so, too, and it uh. was amazing. <laughs> a real climax. <laughs> Um, I do wonder if, so the biggest deterrent for me is the after cleanup. I, I, it's like great to use it, but then having to like get up and wash it is like a whole thing. Um, I wonder if there's like a self, like a really easy self-cleaning kind of thing where it like makes it super simple and fast. You know, you just like pop it in and it's like. You want like the sterilizer. You're just yeah. like. Yeah, in the exactly. cabinet, close it. They make countertop dishwashers. You can buy one and put it on your nightstand. It's pretty brilliant. That's your rich bitch life. <laughs> yeah. <right there. laughs> I've got a machine. A I have a dishwasher for my, for my sex toys. <laughs> I will That's say. That's the kind of life I aspire to. I honestly. mean, yeah. <laughs> I support you on this. <laughs> I will say it has gotten a lot easier now that most, uh, like a lot of sex toys are waterproof now. Even like the electronic mm-hmm. ones. So you can put uh, them in the dishwasher? I don't know about that, but it's pretty like you don't have to be careful. Gentle you don't cycle. have to have special wipes or anything. You can just be like, I'm throwing it under the faucet, you know, and cleaning it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You saying that your experience with them was like 15 years ago. One big technology upgrade since then. That is true. Girl, you gotta true. try the pulsator. Yeah, two or four in this group. It's, it's, it's like you talk about don't have time. Fifteen seconds done. Not even ten seconds done. It'll be the fastest thing that gets done today. I have literally not spoken to a single person who has not said this. So. Anyway, I want to know, Megan. I have one more question that's off the books, so you don't have to answer it. How do you prioritize yourself in your life? This is a good question. Ooh. You should add that to the regular Ooh. question. Ooh. Did I like pay you to say that? No. I did not. <laughs> I'm just Adderall. You have got to get off these drugs. I am unprepared for how on top of this you are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, ha- I don't. Is that a full stop answer? You can start there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a full stop because I think that's a relatable answer for sure. Yeah. I mean, kids come first. Yeah. But I've been thinking recently about how they can't if I am going to continue to care for them in any yeah. form or fashion because it's like I did that in my marriage and then I did it with having kids and then now I have an autoimmune disorder. So it's like you can o- it only you can only do that for so long, even if you're the kind of person that can like gut things out. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. That's like the shit I have to work on right now. Yeah, do you have sure. dreams? dreams? Okay, so of this how is you, your dream life for prioritizing yourself. So I started to think about this when with the Diva Zero stuff. I was like, oh, yes, this all makes sense to me. And then I was like, but what the fuck do I want to do? <laughs> and I don't think I know. I mean, you can't be too hard on yourself. I think that especially women. 
um, are often not taught to prioritize themselves and to think about their own happiness and their own needs uh, before others. So it, I think it's very common. And I, I, a lot of people struggle with that, myself included. So yeah. Midday naps. That's part of my dream life. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Uh, what is it in Spain where they do the like mid-afternoon? Siesta. You need a siesta. Yeah. <laughs> That's I want my dream that for life. everyone. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Me <too>. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. That's all I got. No, that's, that's a really that's good place really to start, good. though. Yeah. A midday nap is a dream mm-hmm. and not a small one. Mm-mm. I'm on board with it. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, I feel like something that you could steal from me is maybe yes, starting to do regular massages with Becca because she knows what she's doing, although she has no time. <laughs> yeah, that is true. She's not taking any new clients, but a massage with someone. Yeah. yeah. A massage on a semi-regular yeah, that's basis. That's a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. Is... Not only healthy, but in general, like you, mentally good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the interesting thing about Die With Zero for me. Can we go there? Mm-hmm. How dare Can you bring up the there? book before yes. the two-hour mark into this podcast? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm very neurotypical, so just, I'm going to go right there right now. Let's get into the book. Let's get into the book. So the thing that happened when I read Die With Zero, I was like, you know, brain explode emoji um, because I'm such a hoarder. Of money and not things though but money and um then i was like oh shit like i'm totally just burning time um so now i totally lost my train of thought what were we talking about before that <laughs> prioritizing yourself uh massages yes yeah so yeah. what are so, ways how has this book changed you yes so it's like then you have to think about like what are you gonna do mm-hmm. With that time. And this is where I was thinking and I forgot. I, after leaving my marriage, was in more of a financially stable place than I thought I was going to be. And so now I'm like, I, I have to like actually think about how to spend money. But I have that conflict too of like, okay, am I spending too much? Like, am I going to have what I need to take care of the kids? And so I still feel that push pull of like, yes, I know I need to not just hoard. And also, you know, what what to spend on. Massages sound like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing that we kind of already touched on earlier, too, is uh, your kids don't know. <laughs> like, you could be like, uh, instead of this $60 toy, I'm going to buy you a $5 toy. And they'd be like, wow, at least while they're young, <laughs> like before they start getting on social media and stuff. Well, yeah. And actually, it's cute because my four-year-old's birthday he's turning five in march and i have asked him like so many times what he wants because my sister wants to get him something my brother wants to get him something my dad my mom and he's like sitting in the back of the car the other day and he goes i just really don't know because it sounds like everybody wants to get me a present and i really just only want two things (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i think this is a good thing (laughs) yeah but yeah you know they don't really need a lot. I always try, and I'm terrible at it, but the times that I have been successful at it have felt a lot better to me as an aunt is, like, I took one of my nieces out to the aquarium for the day. And, like, I was like, anything you want, I'll get it for you. You want ice cream? Get you ice cream. You want a toy from the souvenir shop? Get you that souvenir. Like, and just spoil the shit out of her one day. And, like, that is a memory, at least for me. I hope she remembers it. But... That yes. f- that feels a lot better than being like, 
here's your toy. That's Especially when they're that young, too. they're not going to remember the toy or who gave it to them. Right. Well, he does because he remembers everything. It's terrifying. It's very That's sharp, dangerous. Very sharp child. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I love the experiential thing. And actually, that ties into a big point in Die With Zero where he talks about memory dividends. And he doesn't talk about it relating to like childhood memories so much, but... That the earlier in life you have an experience that's a memory that you're going to then share with other people, your spouse or friends or your kids or your grandkids, every time you get to like reminisce on that memory is sort of like cashing in your compound interest on an investment. So the more amazing experiences you have earlier really pays out over your life. Um, And so I think that's like a really beautiful gift to be able to give, you know, Mm -hmm. young ones in your life. And on that note, I find that sometimes, especially with like difficult family dynamics at times, when you're stuck with nothing to talk about, the first thing you do is reminisce. Mm. And it's like, I don't know what you and I should talk about. Remember that fun time we had? Right. And it's just like, good to have that. (laughs) That partner. Pays out in so many ways. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think also on top of that, because I was thinking about this and how it applies to how I reminisce. I don't have a good memory. I forget a lot of things, but the feelings that I I know that I have about things, like the way that people make me feel or, you know, knowing that I've had so many experiences of just us hanging out and laughing and having a good time, like that makes me feel good just thinking about that. Even if I don't remember what specifically was said or what was done, just thinking about all the places I've traveled and all the things I've done, that alone makes me happy without even remembering all the details of it. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you guys prioritize yourselves? One example. All I do is prioritize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, grasshopper camp over here. Um, I think my like most frequent indulgences are uh, coffee in the hot tub on a cold day. Jealous. Or an afternoon work break in the soaking tub in the hot season. That's my... It's beautiful. It feels so indulgent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So one of the main uh, points of the book, which we've already talked about, obviously, is uh, don't oversave. Julie, would you like to give like a little math breakdown for us? You know I would. I know you would. (laughs) Are these like the main stat, like the main like nine points kind of thing? So I didn't I didn't do like the same nine points from the summary that Mm -hmm. I had sent you. But the ones that I kind of pulled out for this conversation as really big tenets of the book were don't oversave for retirement. Spend money when it has the greatest impact. A particular tool from the book that I think everyone should do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just a few sort of notes and ideas about retirement and how we should be reframing that. Okay. So, uh, on the topic of not oversaving, he he kind of gets into this idea where um, if you're going by the 4% rule or a lot of things talked about in the early retirement community, a lot of people will end up dying with over a million dollars in the bank when they die, which means that they actually worked more during their career than they needed to, mm-hmm. like many, many years more than they may have needed to, saving that up. Whereas if they had been a little bit more strategic and started spending that down near the end of their life, they could have had a lot more experiences or not worked longer than they needed to. So essentially working for free, right? Like that's what he says mm-hmm. is you're when when you die with a million dollars, you've worked 
years for free because right. you never spent you don't that get money. that million dollars you don't get that million dollars back yeah that's it's horrifying <laughs> yeah yes. can you imagine no no i don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> i i just looking at your bank account and your dying days and think hmm <laughs> that'll be really useful so, <laughs> I, I don't so like, like those what five the years. generation above us was taught though mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that like like you said the four percent rule that was even new uh you know, 20 years ago, but it was just like, I don't know, have a shit ton of money and you'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't be close to the edge when you die. Cause what if you outlive your money? Yeah. Um, okay. So a little example, let's just say that you make $30 an hour after taxes. So it's kind of like your real hourly wage from die, um, your money or your life, you know, like this is how much money you actually have to work with per hour. If you die with 300000 in the bank, that means you worked five extra years you did not have to. Five years. And that's only three hundred k in the bank. Um, if you die with a million dollars in the bank and your hourly rate is $30 after taxes, you worked an extra 16 and a half years. That you could have been off gallivanting around the world or spending time with your children or spending time with your parents as they're aging. Or taking an afternoon siesta. Or taking yeah. afternoon siestas. How many naps does that equal? <laughs> or, yeah, or reading books. Like I know like Zach and, and Maggie both got very upset with me when I shared with them um, the Tim Urban <laughs> blog post. It was good though. <laughs> that shit fucked me up. Yeah, okay. So you're in that camp? Are no, you, I was like, you yeah, were in my I'm camp. thinking about this already. So right. I, mean, I, I yes. do think that's the thing is I think about it, but like knowing that it's it's like true, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I was hoping this wasn't You have to link true. that right. in the show notes for this one. Yes. So Tim Urban has a really great blog post called The Tail End, and he goes through all of the different things you experience in life. And some of them you experience at a very regular rate. So if it's like something you do every year, then you still have one time a year for the rest of your life that you get to continue experiencing that. So like Christmas, if Christmas is a really big thing for you, you still have X number of Christmases left. But then there are some things that are really front loaded in your life, like time spent with your parents. You've used up most of it by the time you move out as a young adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the one that really upset my husband was how many books you have left to read in your life. He was like, oh, what do you mean? It's only 350 books or something. You know, he was like truly devastated by this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not overworking yourself for an extra 16 and a half years, you may have the opportunity to spend a lot more time on those other things that you thought you weren't going to have a lot of time to do. Yeah. So I think the biggest question right now that a lot of people are probably thinking listening to this, I'm assuming, but <laughs> um, so how do you know how long you should work and how much you should save up? And when you're going to die and how do you calculate that to well, where you don't end up with too much money? Before we move on, can I just ask okay. Julia a math question that does not no. have to go in? No math, no <laughs> math allowed. But I was uh, thinking about this. I think the math is wrong. Okay. Did I not say someone checked my math? Did I just put that in no, my I head? No, I just thought of this. I just thought okay. of this. Was the math wrong? The reason I think the math is wrong is because it doesn't account for compounding gains. Compounding gains. So, on like, what? if you die with a million, really, when you were thirty, that was only a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but then you have inflation. That's true. So there's like all these different. This doesn't have to go on the podcast. I'm just no. Like, I I think this is actually great to include. This is great to include. There, it, the math is never quite that simple. And just like the point of the book is to attempt to die with zero, but it is impossible. 
to die with exactly zero <laughs> and impossible to like truly calculate the exact amount that you need exactly because there's all these unpredictable factors that happen like wars in the world and yes you know covid interest rates going you know crazy level that no one thought they would mm-hmm. like all sorts of COVID's totally. a good one Yes. So it's not it's just to give you sort of a rough idea of really thinking about your hourly rate. And then, you know, obviously the way that you invest your money is going to impact how much it compounds and and how much actual work went into that 300K that's left over. Um, So that's like a very individual thing. But thank you for highlighting it because it it does make a big difference. Mm -hmm. That 300K may have only been six months of extra work for someone at $30 an hour who invested it young. And wisely, yeah. 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 Impossible to do the true math. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the Instagram follow that turned me on to this book is my not real life, my pretend BFF, Bridget Casey. And she made a spreadsheet. (laughs) And it's kind of awesome. I feel like you should link that. Yes. Because you can kind of throw numbers in. And the thing she loves to rant about, though, on her stories is how there really is no way to actually plan and you need to just like roughly do it and then just move on with your life. That yeah. is the and best advice. Yeah. Yeah. And she is like MBA in finance, really, really brilliant woman. And people are constantly, she hosts AMAs, people are constantly asking her um, how how much are you saving for retirement or like how, how much are you planning your life to cost in retirement? And she's like, I do not plan that far out. <laughs> also my life yeah. is not the same as your life right right well and she's like how am i what what makes you think that i know what my spending requirements are going to be 30 years from now she's like i am coast fire i have enough in my retirement now that it can just keep compounding until retirement and there will be money for me to live off of but i enjoy my work i don't plan on actually retiring early I just want to make sure my work is something that fits my life well and that I'm living my life now and spending money now, which is why I think Die With Zero hit so hard for her. Yes. I think it hit even harder for me, though, because I feel pretty bored at work now. Yeah. So I'm like, it's awesome to watch somebody like that, particularly because they're likable. And you're like, cool. Like, you have it figured out. Like, you are going to keep feeling like that you have meaningful work. And that you don't want to stop working and that will probably continue to generate income for you. But it sort of left me like, okay, you know, when do you get off the tracks or when do you try to be like more in that position? But it's a good question. I know he he kind of talked about in the book, even if you enjoy your work, you're still trading time. Mm-hmm. against something else that you could be doing mm-hmm. you that's know? how i feel it's like i actually do like my job and i like that i'm good at it but it doesn't make up for all of the other things i could be doing absolutely yeah. if if i had to choose between doing my job and doing almost anything else <laughs> i would choose the other thing and i love twice. my job <laughs> but like i would rather be drinking beer with my neighbor or my friend you know just sitting on the couch staring at my dogs like there are a lot of things I would rather be doing (laughs) yes I think I follow in the camp of like you know how they are like people retire and then they sort of end up depressed that's what I worry about for myself you worry about a lack of meaning yeah fulfillment Mm -hmm. yeah see but like 
there are so many things you could still do like and not be so tied to that career like volunteering or like traveling and volunteering or you I mean you could still have meaning and like do things that are really beneficial to the world and to society in quote unquote retirement yes yeah so i'm actually <laughs> i'm actually not going to foster infant babies but yeah <laughs> Listen, they have to sleep at some point. <laughs> and you know what? You sleep when they sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I worry about that at all because I'm such like a project whore. Like I have always way too many things I want to be putting time into. Mm-hmm. So whether and they're not for money. <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah, I don't worry about that. At all, I am also a project or I think really strongly to that. You have so many notes. Like you you're good about cataloging. Right now, it's it's terrifying. <laughs> okay, wait. I need to know more about this because I know all about Julie's projects. But what kind of projects are you up to? Oh, oh. she doesn't just have projects, but she has like endless ideas. She is an idea <laughs> machine. That actually terrifies. That's, me. that's one no, note out of Taylor. Hundreds. I can't even look at that. That is one out of hundreds. <laughs> is it that's the just my to-do. or it's just like. Oh, there's a system. <laughs> I wish, I wish, listeners, you could see my eyes. They are I so. I can't even wide. look. It gives me anxiety looking at it. The same. I feel like a, a low level of panic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say for me, I don't worry about that in retirement, but it's for a completely different reason, which is that I truly, truly love being bored. That's awesome. <laughs> I do. I love it. And I think part of the reason is that like I like to think things out fully. Like when you I'm the kind of person that reads the entire instruction manual before I start assembling something. So I need to really sit and think about things for long periods of time. <laughs> we need to get you a rocking chair. <laughs> and, and I just think that like, maybe you could run this country. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Let's think ahead a little. <laughs> I'd vote for you. I would never um, even try. It That's be, the problem. I would be you don't want to be. I would never be bored. I want to be bored. <laughs> Anyone that should be a politician time isn't. to think about things and like, do, like I need to process and I need time to process. And so, like having some free time where I'm literally not scheduled for anything, not working on anything, lets me think things through, mm-hmm. and it's lovely. Topic ideas, marketing ideas, show ideas. Uh, t-shirt ideas, craft ideas, band show, band name ideas, product ideas, movie ideas. These are just all lists that I have, <laughs> and they're good. They're not junk ideas either. <laughs> well, thank you. It's way too many things. <laughs> Welcome to my brain. <laughs> my eyes are still very big. <laughs> I mean, no wonder you needed to take a halfy. I'm just saying. Yeah, really, a though. Halfie? Really. <laughs> It, it, that that is the struggle I had with this book wh- when I was thinking about you know how do I want to spend my time and my money. There are so many things I want to do and so many ways I want to spend my money that that's why I'm afraid I'm going to run out of it is because mm. there's too much I want to spend it on. Plus, you need to make your dog immortal. So exactly. Expensive. Thank you for understanding. <laughs> oh my god, though, if you figure that, that out, you have a Pixar There's idea. your retirement right there. <laughs> making a dog immortal i know you would be rich okay back on back on okay so i did want to know um you know that was my one of the struggles with the book was how do you know how do you know that you're saving too much or saving too little because i am so worried that i am not 
saving enough, but I really want to spend it. And it's like, hold me back, you know, tell me not to. So I I have the same paranoia, but the opposite problem. Where you like didn't want to spend it. I'm like, I don't want to spend it anyway, but you're telling me I should, but should I? Should I? Should I? (laughs) How much is enough money? But is it enough? (laughs) So you found great solace in the spreadsheet that Bridget Casey put together. Yes. So we will link to that. I think that's probably the best way mm-hmm. to to dig into her spreadsheet, and then it kind of t- it shows you the numbers. Well, yeah, and then also like exactly what you said, Megan, is that just reevaluate every year. Like maybe you thought that was your number, but now you're realizing, oh, that's actually way too much. Let me spend a little more this year, make a little less this year, and then you're like, oh shit, I should be a little bit further than I am now. I'm gonna like up the savings this year, and like. Just as you go, because you never know, some big life event might happen where you're saving a lot of money and then, I don't know, you get some terminal illness and it's like, well, I'm going to need a lot more money a lot fucking quicker. Or a and- lot less because I'm only living a year. Or that, yeah. So, like, things happen. Spend you it can't all. <laughs> fucking do this shit. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. Cash is trash. <laughs> so, I have found it interesting as a parent because I'm in a phase where I have really young kids that are really expensive because mm-hmm. of childcare. And so the other thing that's helped me is sort of being like, okay, until this, I'm a psycho about spreadsheets, but I am like, okay, until this date, these are my expenses. And then at this date, it changes to this. And then at this date, it changes to this. Because I feel like a lot of the calculations you have to make are like, how much do you spend annually? And right now I spend like a terrifying amount because I spend at least $2,000 a month on childcare. I would say that's applicable, applicable to mortgages as well. I hear a lot of people who are like doing their math pre-mortgage payoff after mortgage payoff Mm. and yes because i also have a massive mortgage now yeah but eventually (laughs) theoretically it'll be paid off yeah yeah. one day one day if you live that long Mm -hmm. (laughs) long. (laughs) all right so the next point uh we wanted to talk about was spend money when it has the greatest impact Mm -hmm. yeah so a few points on this but the big one is this sort of golden period when you have good health enough money in the bank and can make enough free time to actually take advantage of it Mm -hmm. and the author really gets into the fact that 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 like golden period most people waste working Mm -hmm. and waiting to actually do all the things in retirement but unfortunately in retirement you have more money than you need all the free time you need but typically not the health you need for all of the things you would like to do Retirement age, standard retirement age, is really good for some activities, but a lot of things like certain types of travel and um, if you're really into skiing or snowboarding like I am, like those things tend to be harder as you age. And so he is really imploring us to think about stuff we need to be doing earlier in life and make free time happen when we have money and health. Y'all, what are your buckets? Time buckets? Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, are you going to define them first? <laughs> Tell us what time buckets are. Am I getting us off track? No, no, it's fine. It's all good. Is that, but was that so, where this is heading? I'm not looking at that. We have two more things on there, but that's totally fine. The best tool from the book, which definitely ties in here, uh, in my personal opinion, the best tool from the book <laughs> was this exercise he calls time bucketing, where you essentially break down your life into five-year time spans and then start putting things in those. So like between the ages of 35 and 40, 
I want to go skydiving and I want to travel to Italy and great. This isn't my time buckets. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> Megan's eyes just exploded. I just really didn't want to go skydiving. Nope. Can't pay me. Yeah, it's not Even on my list. To be on the ground. I, I did it once and I don't recommend it. Okay. That makes me feel even better that about it. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are always like, oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> no, I threw up a lot. Oh my god, seriously. Oh, Once I was on the ground. Yeah. Oh my I god. I held it together. <laughs> Some people like skydiving, and it's probably better to try that out for the first time in your younger, healthier years. My mom went skydiving at 55. <laughs> she is young and sprightly, though. She's healthier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> she does like yoga every day. <laughs> Hopefully, we're all anomalies like your mom. Yeah. Um, she's crazy. <laughs> But it's sort of looking at like, okay, if I want to do a rock climbing trip in a foreign country, I'm probably going to want to do that earlier in my life than the artist's retreat on the Mediterranean coast that I want to do. Like, I will still probably have good enough health and faculties to be able to enjoy that in later years. So I might pick different five-year time periods. I was just born 80 years old. So I think that that's like I, that's part of my conflict about this book. I was like, yes, I should seize life. And then I'm like, but also like I'm 80. So like, what does this matter? <laughs> that's totally like that is fair, though. You don't need to want to like travel and do all these crazy things. If if enjoying your life is like I want to read these like really good books or I want to like fucking sit and like take a nap or like do whatever it is like then that is a worthy like a you know time spent it doesn't have to be exactly and holding that sounds great that's pretty much it that sounds great uh, yeah I did want to tell you guys that I had a similarly very difficult time with this tool because everything I want to do I'm like I want to do it now (laughs) okay so we have the opposite problem yeah we're opposites where i'm like i literally like split out the years like you're supposed to and then i made five bullet points in each bucket and the most recent one i was like easily five things and then i was like the next four five things are things i want to do now but i guess i could push off for some (laughs) and then i put those and then the next bucket i was just like can you like read them because i need some ideas no i'm not doing this first and then the next bucket literally (laughs) says like enjoy your life is And then in the last bucket, I literally wrote question mark. So basically, you're planning to be dead by then? Yes. Or- <laughs> okay, Maggie, actually, I so I pulled up. I had worked on this back in January, my time bucket spreadsheet, which is a little bit intense. Is because this just I- approving that you guys are both grasshoppers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I had broken down my time buckets. I have different ones for every bucket. I have life events, travel, investments, business, my daily cadence, and my annual cadence, like how I envision my life in these periods. I need you to share this spreadsheet. (laughs) When I pulled it up right before we we started recording, I realized I never made it to five-year time buckets. I did the next five years as one-year time buckets (laughs) because I had so many things, like even just my travel for one year is five bullet points or more. So I was like, okay, all of these have to be one year. And then I'm trying to think of things for the next five-year time, which will be the first five-year time bucket. But so far, I have failed. Yeah. Wait, After so like maybe the next five years, I'm like, I guess I could do that stuff later. I don't know. But so maybe the point, though, of this book is that you guys are in the right mindset because 
later on, like whatever, you could sit on the couch and read your fantasy novels. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Grasshopper. Okay. So I think. Yeah. Be a fucking grasshopper. When we had originally talked about this book, I do think we resonated with it for very different reasons. Because you were like, I felt. I'm fucking living my best life. (laughs) I felt. Yes, I felt so validated in what could be considered pretty reckless decision making for the last 15 years. Um, And I think you were like, I I need to be spending money and living my life. But what do I want to do? Yes. (laughs) I felt very justified in some of my choices reading this book. Like he has a whole section where he talks about when you're young and want to stay in hostels, you should take time off traveling like Europe and backpacking stuff. And I was like, I fucking did that before I read this fucking book. Hell yeah, I'm smart as shit. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have a chapter about how you should slut it up in your younger years, but he maybe should have. Are you, are you sure? Didn't he talk about his friend? This was the same chapter, actually. His friend who went on the Euro trip and lived in hostels and experienced love abroad. Sex on the beach. It was, it was kind of worked into that. <laughs> I, I will say one comment that I did not appreciate from him. Oh, there were definitely a few things. He, there is some like... By yeah, a man, and I did a not agree cis, with hetero man. He yeah. he he made a comment about how he was dating a dancer at one point, and then had to specify that she was not a stripper. Right, which I thought was extremely demeaning yes. to strippers. Like, Absolutely. oh, don't think I'm the type of person to date a stripper. Like, fuck you, dude. First of all, no stripper would touch you because they're way too fucking good for your ugly ass. I don't actually know what he looks like, but like, <laughs> don't like. I just like he, so he's like, an attractive man. Okay, fine, but like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you for thinking you're too good for them. Like, yes, it's just that infuriating. I don't remember the other ones, but there were definitely yeah. at least three times in the book where I was like. <laughs> Thank you for Claws the... Are out. Yeah. Oh, I was like, is that a cringe or is that a cat attack? That was a cat attack. <laughs> a cat, that, a was, cat attack. that was like my hackles went up mm-hmm. and was yeah. like, oh, you have good ideas, but why did your editor not take that out for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, going I think that every book is. <laughs> I, um, I really like that everyone's kind of perception of this is different. I think for me... I I do have an issue with wanting to do too many things, but a lot of it is I want to learn too many things. Mm. I get an insatiable like high off of learning new things. Yeah. And I have all of these things like I want to learn this language or I want to learn how to play this instrument or I want to learn this or how to do this. And it's so overwhelming because all of those things require a lot of time and you know everyday practicing that i just i feel paralyzed and i don't even do it because i'm like well what if i'm wasting time on this but then i should be doing this instead and i like can't make a decision and i can't decide what's going to be the thing that i start learning or start trying to do because there's just so many things i want to learn and do i agree with you and this is not applicable to all things obviously but there's that saying that's like uh like good at a lot of things, master of none. What what's the actual saying? Jack of all trades, master of That's none. It. Jack but of all that tra- is an incomplete quote. Well, the point I was trying to make <laughs> is I don't think there's anything wrong with learning things a little bit. Like yeah. obviously that doesn't really apply to like language learning, because mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really help you to just know it a little mm-hmm. bit. Maybe it helps you a little bit, but like 
guitar or an instrument, for example, like what's wrong with learning a few songs and being like, I know these few songs and like not dedicating your entire existence to it or I don't know, other things that are similar to that. Just because you don't want to spend your whole life on it doesn't mean you can't learn it a little bit. For well, sure. And the time bucketing yeah. thing shows that like learning is something you can probably do at every age. Yeah. So it's like you're left to so learn the language when you're like 90. <laughs> when it's most beneficial to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, so this actually what I was thinking, I, obviously in time bucketing, I went like extreme sports health wise, but I think mental health and mental faculties are really important to consider too. Because there are some things that we assume we'll be able to do in our 70s and 80s, but we may be making assumptions there that are completely false. So if you want to spend time writing a book Mm -hmm. or you want to learn how to paint, like those might be things that are better sometime earlier in life. It might not be your 20s or 30s, but it might be your 40s or 50s instead of your 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And can I read the full... Yes, Jack of all of trades quote. Okay, so the actual <laughs> phrase, because people use this to bash on people who love learning new things and doing all, all multitasks and stuff like that. But the real phrase is, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Mm. But people abuse this <laughs> mm-hmm. to tell you that you should only be good at one thing and focus on one thing. Yeah. Well, Fuck I that. feel good because Life is too I didn't long. even know the end of that quote, and I was still yeah, like, "You, not you, a were, bad you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it." <laughs> yeah. Only because I'm that person that like likes to start learning something, and then I'm like, "Oh, I feel good about that level of learning. I'm gonna stop now." And I'm like, yeah. oh, "I probably should have taken that further, but I didn't." Like, I know like four songs on guitar, and like I learned how to do a Rubik's cube, just good enough to solve it, but not yeah. good enough to do like compete competitive Rubik's cubes. <laughs> that would have taken my whole fucking Ruby life cube. like <laughs> and i just would have ridiculed you constantly for being such a nerd well, <laughs> ridicule with love have you seen her with a rubik's cube uh, oh. i think i would that's i'm hot. moderately fast that's too hot to handle fast. for me <laughs> um yeah i i maybe the best way to go about it and i'm just kind of like you know spitballing maybe i should just give myself a year to try any one new thing Mm. and only dedicate it like i will only dedicate a year to this and if i don't do anything that means i didn't really want to do it and if i do a lot that you know i can decide if i want to keep doing it i love that so instead of like a word for the year you pick your hobby for the year yeah that's awesome i kind of like that maybe i'm gonna maybe i'll try this you're gonna be a viral sensation (laughs) what would be your first hobby um Either cello or painting. Do you own a cello? I do. <laughs> That's the one, man. <laughs> but I also own like a canvas and canvases and a lot of paint. I feel like the cello is it's like a kind of an investment though, right? Financially? Yes. Yeah. Well, I've already bought it. I know, but I mean like <laughs> you, you went for it and now it's sitting in your house. Yeah, therefore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's, you should use that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> or sell it. I agree. Well, this, this is the thing is it's the one holdup is that the strings need to be restrung and I need to take it to a professional to do that. So I just have not dedicated any Hello, time. Hello, straight to music. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> straight music. That's the shop oh. here in town, right? <laughs> you, if someone wants to take me. <laughs> it's actually a really cool store. 
<laughs> check it out. Really? Is yeah. will they like fix my cello for me? Yeah, they will. Okay. Maybe I'll do that then. Done. You got nine more months left this year. Mm-hmm. Year of cello. You could have a baby or you could learn the cello. <laughs> nine months. And I know which one I'd rather do. <laughs> <laughs> that that decision is not nearly as hard as cello versus painting. It's true. I'm to be honest, the cello versus painting is much harder. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I found very interesting about this book and send it to my dad in hopes that he would read this book. And of course he didn't, but same. send it to your parents. What about inheritance? Yes. My favorite topic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. You hoped he would give you your inheritance early. Well, I don't think I'm going to get an inheritance, but I was like, if I'm going to get an inheritance, maybe I could get it now. And he was like, (laughs) and then didn't talk about it anymore. (laughs) So interesting. So no, no inheritance in the books for me at this point. Mm-hmm. The average inheritance age is 60. But if you think about when you really would need an inheritance or when that money would be useful to you, it's probably not 60. Right. So this is, uh, again, another sub point to spending money when it has the greatest impact. And when he says die with zero, he's not saying die without give you, giving money to people you want to leave money to. He talks about in the book, if you're going to give money to those people, give it to them when it has the greatest impact in their life. And when you can also see the impact that it has, mm-hmm. as opposed to just waiting until you die and then them getting whatever's left over. Um, so the average age of inheritance being 60 is like insane because most 60-year-olds don't need a lot of money at that point or they've already taken care of their own retirement needs and that money or if they're in financial hardship at that age it was probably compounded by financial stress from earlier in their life and they could be in a better position at 60 if they'd had an early inheritance Mm -hmm. than waiting for whatever you have left over at that point so giving them money an inheritance if you're fortunate enough to have money to give is way more useful in periods of high financial stress, like when people are struggling under student loans or trying to buy their first house or starting a family or a million other things, you know, that are very individual to specific people. And getting to spend money on experiences with your children. Absolutely. so much more valuable than giving them a little bit of money when they're too old to really find use in it mm-hmm. after you're dead and you yes, don't even yes. get to see them enjoy it. I mean, imagine like, would you rather leave them that $5,000 or would you rather like go on and bomb ass vacation with them or like take a art class with them or do something you always want to do together and or even just like help them pay off their bills and like so they don't have to struggle as much and worry about not being able to come to like the family Christmas or something, you know? Um, yeah, there's just so many good arguments to be made for, and that's actually, that's what my mom's doing. She's giving me and my brother inheritance while she's still alive and spending the rest, Mm -hmm. which is way more helpful now when I like have all these new expenses and I have a house and I'm trying to travel and like enjoy my life in my thirties than it would be when I'm, you know, 90 when she finally passes (laughs) over and (laughs) I told her she's not allowed to die before like 120, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be way more useful now and way more enjoyable because she gets to see, you know, I painted my house with the money she gave me last year and she got to see the house and is like, the house is amazing. And she gets to see like the transformation and me enjoying my life and she wouldn't be able to otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah, it made me think about planning for my kids higher education if they want to do that or like having money for them to start a business or something like that when they're 
ready to sort of, you know, be, their own, the be, be their own people, <laughs> which I guess they're eventually going to be. Um, and then also just, yeah, like money at 25. And the other thing it made me think about is wanting to donate monthly because I feel like I've not ever been sort of thoughtful about like how and when I donate. And so um, it just made me want to think about, made me think about wanting to do that, like picking specific organizations and committing to a monthly amount. Um, and the other thing is my dad got an Alzheimer's diagnosis this year. So it also made me think about stuff like that where it was like, okay, what are some things that he and his wife would really enjoy? Like, I know she's going to be the one that's taking care of him. Like, what are some things that would be really nice? Like all of us, you know, like her kids and his kids all going to the beach together for a weekend or a week or something like that. Um, it's not like fancy stuff, but just stuff that, you know, like nice memories. I love that. I tried really hard to take each of my parents on a trip last year with mixed success. Um, but I'm glad I tried. <laughs> You're like, maybe that's the last. Sometimes trips with with other people are great, but you have to have people who have a similar travel style or that you're willing to to travel in their style. Yeah. yeah. It goes for family, <laughs> friends. Oh, anyone. absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. will say the the one thing that I do every year that I am very proud of that I spend a lot of time and money on is every Mother's Day, I plan an entire weekend full of activities for my mom as a thank you for birthing me and raising <laughs> me and giving me a ton of money. Um, you know, she paid for my education and like she's the whole reason I am who I am today. So it's like the one time I get to be like, I'm going to spoil you. So like I plan all these fun activities and it's a lot of fun for me too, selfishly, because I'm like, I want to go on a boat. So like I plan an awesome boat ride and like, you know, like every year it's different, but I plan like a whole new set of festivities every year. Yeah. These weekends sound like a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. Like, cause it's always like, what are some like cool things that I think she would like that would be like really fun to try out? Maybe and, like, you we should do it. plan a vaginance weekend for us. Yeah. I do love planning, honestly, planning like events parties festivities is like a great joy in life you this is but. the one thing that gets you like <laughs> the the spreadsheets you make for events <laughs> she puts photos in these spreadsheets i liked wow. it. i didn't even know you could put photos i didn't, I didn't either, either until no. i saw one i want a theme for the activity she's <laughs> <laughs> like a whole mood board in a spreadsheet that's amazing <laughs> It's a lot of fun and you get to like, there's nothing more fun than experiencing like all these cool new activities with the people you love. Mm -hmm. So that is something I will splurge on every year. Yeah. And it's a good excuse to do it. You feel guilt free about spending the money, yes. you know, because yeah. you're like, I'm doing this for like my mother. What better reason to do anything? <laughs> Your kids will do that for you one day. You know, <laughs> as I say to them, I'll love them no matter what. <laughs> I try to have zero expectations. Um, and I really like that you brought up the charitable donations as well, because every charity on their website will talk about how much easier it is for them to actually hire people and pay for resources that they need to have the impact in the community that they're trying to achieve and how hard it is without ongoing support to predict. Like most charities have all of the money come in during one or two fundraising events a year, and that can change so much year to year. But a small monthly donation has so much greater impact for them. 
And especially when you're not just trying to predict like, oh, random people donate every year, but so-and-so died this year, so we get a really big influx, but we can't count on that for next year. So saving your charitable donations until you die is also not spending your money when it has the greatest impact. So I love that you focus on that monthly. Okay, now I really want to know what you guys put in your time buckets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't want to go first, so. Julie, what's in your time buckets? (laughs) I'm trying to pull it up. Um, So as I mentioned, I have mine only year by year for the next few years, and I have it broken down to life events, travel, investments, business, and then how I want my life to look daily and monthly, which is not exactly what time bucketing is, but for me, this was important. Um, So I have a lot of different travel events coming up over the next few years. We had a big delay, obviously, the last couple of years with the pandemic, but things seem to be happening again. So we are doing a West Texas trip with the Vaginance crew at the end of May. Yes. The little dark sky time, stare at some stars, hopefully see a meteor shower. We'll see. Um, I have some friends who may or may not be doing a canoeing trip from Austin to the coast that I would like. I would really like to join in on that if it's happening. You know who you are. Um, that would be the summer. I think I know who that is. <laughs> you could probably guess. Um, and then seven and seven, the Nomad Conference um, that we've been going to since 2016 is finally picking back up this year. And this year is North America, so we will be in Montreal in September, which I'm super excited about. And then next year for that same conference, we'll hopefully be doing the Africa trip, and the year after that's Antarctica. So those are like pretty big. I'll come to those too. <laughs> Antarctica is going to be a boat, so as long as you're cool with that, okay. I mean, I don't get, I don't get sick, so maybe I don't okay. get boat sick. Yeah, probably not. Good odds. <laughs> um, so those are like pretty big um, staple trips in my year that the rest kind of get built around. Um, the book club group that I'm a part of also did a reading retreat in Scotland, which was right before the COVID shutdowns happened, and. I'm really hopeful that another one of those will happen next year. So I kind of, my year centers a lot around travel in my normal life. So those are my big, big things. This year for me is a lot of decisions about work and whether I want to start some new businesses and whether I want to build us a podcast studio and whether that studio would be just for us or if that would also be for other local podcasters here in Austin um, so more of like a studio rental situation where all the gear would be set up and whether I want to run that type of business or just have it for us. So like that's kind of on the radar along with my current work, along with certified financial planning. We got all the things, so many options. Um, so like my time bucket has business things in there too, because I'm an idea whore with Taylor. It's so funny because I have the exact same, like I've <laughs> broken everything down is exactly how I've done it. Okay. Tell me what's on yours. <sighs> Man. Okay. So first of all, I want to uh, point out that my, all of my 2021 goals I achieved. Hell Whoa. yes, girl. I, can you give me like two of the highlights or three? Um, I got a job in Fuck design yes. making 75K plus a year. And developed two show side projects. Hell yeah. That's insane. <laughs> it is insane. Because <laughs> if, I mean, you know, like from the beginning of the podcast, like 
that was all seemed so unachievable to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm never going to make any money. I'm never going to have a job doing something I really want to do. I'm never going to have any creative like thing, like projects or any like I was just like totally hopeless. And I fucking did it. Write down some more shit because apparently you're making it all happen. Write it down. Learning cello is on my Hell yeah. (laughs) That or you're selling it. So, you know what? I like that idea actually. That's not a bad idea. Selling cello? If I do not like pick up my cello and start learning it, I should just fucking sell it by the end of this year. Getting so many ideas from y'all. Yeah, I also have my, my goals broken up by like daily goals, weekly goals. Um, travel goals, yearly goals, work goals, like personal goals. It's like there's a lot of goals, <laughs> um, which make it difficult. But my, um, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of it. I was not prepared. I just started talking as usual. And so I don't have my um, travel goals. Oh, no. Okay. So, um, nope. Nope. JK, I don't know where my, my travel goals are now. Oh, they're broken up into a travel uh, folder that's the problem <laughs> i have to find my travel folder now which can be difficult maybe someone else go i'm unprepared okay. for this i'll go so i feel like i'm bad at this which we've previously addressed already um but i had some stuff that i was like definitely so um i really like musicals mm-hmm. i grew up in the choir and so i feel like i want to go to more of those i went to ham i took myself to hamilton by myself this year which was an excellent good time and so doing more of that um and so love musicals yes it was like the only reason i liked living in new york i was like i can go see musicals same same (laughs) i was like i don't party i'm not fancy but i will see a musical um i also want to take my kids to disney which is so basic but I also own Ugg boots, so we can't. I just, still remember we are when we my are. parents took me to Disney, so I feel Absolutely. like it's a good memory. I also know that I will just have fun in the actual moment of it. Like it's <laughs> like maybe seventy five percent for me. So yeah. <laughs> um, just have to pick like the right ages. I feel like I I requested that we go on a family vacation to Disney World when I was twenty two. So. I mean- <laughs> My parents, I have still never been to Disney World, so I'm like, I'm doing this for me. Um, 100%. So there's that. And in college, I did a lot of social dancing, which now that COVID I'm an, is is nearing its end, I mean, it's here forever, but you know what I mean. Um, that would be something fun to pick up again. And travel-wise, I want to go on Alaskan cruise. Um, I want to see some safari animals. And national parks. I guess Disneyland is travel, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that's. I have some thoughts about either joining a choir again, because I liked that so much, or. My aunt is in charge of the Austin Women's Choir, just so you know. Amazing. The other thought that I have had is (laughs) my brother is also a total choir nerd and he lives in town and he was in an acapella group in college. So I kind of want to force him to start doing acapella with me, like, and for him to recruit some friends. And I think that would be really fun. So that'd be adorable. Fuck yeah. I love all of that. Yeah. I, I think, ideas, I think you were being too humble saying you were yeah, bad at that. Also when you were talking about your self care stuff and you said you didn't know, you just listed a shit ton of things right there. Okay. 
I'm going to do it. Self-care is you taking yourself to fucking musicals. Yes. That is a great self-care. It's kind of hard here, though, because you have to, like, think ahead about it and, like, kind of watch things in a way that you don't when you live in a bigger city. But Yeah. See, and here's where I think Die With Zero would say, if it's hard for you to schedule things, but last-minute tickets are always available at a premium, this is worth you spending the extra money. Yes. As opposed to having to try to schedule things out and then have childcare fall through or whatever. It's like, I have a free night. It's in two days. These last minute tickets are available. I'm splurging on it. Yes. Do it. Yes. Spend that money, Megan. Yes. And I didn't (laughs) mind going alone. I was like, I love doing stuff alone. Like I said, I like to think about things. I don't like to talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to work. Don't want to see people. Just want to be in my own brain. You know what? That's a really good thing, though. Because you have to be with yourself all the sometimes. time. Other times, not so much. <laughs> that I think is true. I thought about that one too much. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, like, ooh, wish this would stop. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I did my time buckets. I tried to do it in like 10 year increments. Um, so I did like from now until age 40. Uh, I recently got engaged. So I put get married in that bucket. Don't know Woo. what that's going to look like or. Anything? Elop, elop. Yes, 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 yes. Just got to convince the fiance of that. Um, get physically fit, which has been a goal of mine for probably the past two decades. Uh, visit two to three national parks per year. Fix up my house, possibly add a hot tub to that situation. Yes. And go to Japan. Can I come? Me too. Yes, I want to go back to Japan. I've never been. It's like my number one bucket travel destination. Um, My 40 to 50 group, as I told you, wasn't because I didn't want to do it now. It was just because it felt like that seems like a better time to put it off to is be retired. Um, Travel for a full year in a van, which who knows. A big world trip. So maybe do another Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand. But like... Just be gone for a long time and live in a river house. That's nice. My life goal. I don't know if I would. I mean, that's also another goal that's constantly slipping out of my grips monetarily when prices of houses go up faster than the price of my money making abilities. <laughs> um, but maybe if I just rented a river house for like a year. Even though I did, after I wrote this down, went on Zillow and looked up rental properties, river houses in Texas, of which they were zero. So. Well, also, <laughs> if they're, you know, whenever the crash is happening, uh, the first thing people are going to sell off are their river houses. All so right, well, Taylor, let's fucking save up, buy a fucking river house together. I'm on Redfin every day looking at river houses. I'm on Zillow <laughs> every day. So actually, I found a property in Lakey yesterday that's just the land for like 250 bucks or two, 200, <laughs> hell yeah, dollars. It's not in the flood zone and it's riverfront property. We just have to put a house on it. Let's Interesting. I have I have also sent properties that? such as that to Zach, and there are things about them that you might not know. Like you have to build a house X size, and yeah. it ends up being like a million dollar house because mm, that's how the houses are. They're all the neighborhood restrictions. Yeah. It, minimum house size square footage is ridiculous. Like Zach and I years ago had looked at buying a lot on the ski hill that we really like, and 
you know, we live in a two bedroom, two bath that is 800 square feet and it's great. But the minimum square footage for what we would have to build on a lot on the mountain was like somewhere between five and seven and a half thousand square feet or something. No or one needs that Some much of the space. lots had at least a minimum of three and a half thousand square feet. And I'm like, yeah, for a family, they might use a house that big. But for me, that is a waste of space, a waste of energy. It's just a waste. No one it's needs a that. That is insane. That's that is a huge house tell you that it has to be that it's neighborhood restrictions and that's not just on ski hills that's a lot of places should be a maximum not a minimum i agree well there are those with the city stuff but right and i can understand that like you don't want somebody like (laughs) using every (laughs) single square foot of their lot you're like (laughs) leaning in your window (laughs) i will say too just to to one more note about the traveling I will go anywhere as long as I get to hang out with my friends. Like, I don't even care where it is, honestly. Like, I would go anywhere if y'all invited me. So <laughs> invita- if the invitation That was an open, invitation to invite you? Yes. Like, I will go. I don't really care. I just want to hang out with my friends and travel. So. I love it. My next bucket list was, like I told you guys earlier, like, enjoy your life, question mark. And then the last bucket list is question mark. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're still working wanted... on the future. Decade. So we all have some work to do. We all have yeah, a lot of work to do. Well, a lot of mine is just like everything I want to do. And do now. Right. Well, actually, the whole point of time buckets is to make sure that you don't put everything in the last bucket. <laughs> so I actually think we've been very successful by the fact that the last buckets are very ambiguous. But the now bucket, we have so many things we want to prioritize our time and money for. Overflowing. <laughs> Overflowing proximate time buckets <laughs> yeah okay the inheritance now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay so we could we could wrap this up i think this has been great um we mentioned that it is impossible to die with zero if somebody manages to do it please leave in your will that it must be reported back to us that you were successful at dying with zero dollars in your bank account <laughs> Yeah, like not uh, <laughs> negative, zero. Zero, <laughs> decimal, zero, zero. But the way you die with zero, this is sort of the, the broad breakdown from the book, is use a life expectancy calculator and get a firm picture on what your actual life expectancy is. Hopefully it's not too shocking of a number, but mm. gives you a little kick in the butt. And then um, to avoid oversaving for worst case scenarios, he mentions looking to appropriate insurance and annuities that can fill the gap. So rather than trying to save for a really unexpected illness that's going to wipe you out financially, like make sure you have insurance or annuities that cover you if you live longer than expected, all of that kind of thing. Look into annuities. It's an interesting concept. It is. And then absolute number one, do this today is figure out what you actually want to experience and do in your life and then map out when the best time to do those things is based on your health and your financial situation, and your time. Um, I do want to point out one thing. Sorry, not to... I, Go for okay. it. Okay. Um, one thing that I think is really important that he talks about in the book, it's not just about you know how you're going to spend your money on experiences, but every day, try to not just be on autopilot when you're... Try to be intentional with the things you're doing and what you're spending your time on each day because so many of us, it's so easy to go to autopilot and just like, okay, I'm waking up. Now I'm checking social media. Now I'm sitting on the couch. Like, 
if you actually think about your time as, as this very finite resource, it's the most valuable resource you have, right? It's everything. Um, try to live your life intentionally every day and do something that makes you happy or do something that you enjoy that doesn't even require money necessarily. But um, yeah, just try to be more intentional with your time because it's all you have. Love it. Final thoughts, Megan? Guest of honor? No. <laughs> I'm honored by this honor. She's exhausted. She wishes exhausted she'd had a siesta. She wishes she'd had a siesta. Yeah, today. when was my siesta? <laughs> like, subscribe. Tell us if you died with zero. <laughs> oh! <laughs> what is. <laughs> How many sex toys will you die with? Not zero. <laughs> if there is an afterlife, we're going to be doing this podcast. <laughs> like, die with zero. <laughs> The talk show. Vagina and the talk show in the afterlife. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg, for taking the time out. Thank you for having me. This is a bucket. This should go in a time bucket. <laughs> the afterlife time bucket? No, no. Just vagina is in a bucket. <laughs> no, I have to have this now. All the things I want to do in the afterlife, if there is one. That's getting that, that is getting a column on my spreadsheet. That's smart. That's smart. Now I really need you to do shit. Is is it gonna be weird when I know more about that one than like my final decades? <laughs> Mine would just be pulling practical jokes on people as a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like if you had to specify that. Like, what else would you be? <laughs> well, see, you could be like, could be reincarnated, a mummy, reincarnated, a mummy. Yeah, there's a lot of things. All right, <laughs> how much would you be worth it as a mummy? More or less than a mummified catfish. Nobody knows. More, more. you would be worth more. Oh. Avidly from the bathtub. <laughs> See, that's that's a perfect self care. Listen to Vaginance while you take a bubble bath. That's the best self care you could do. But don't take your sex toys into the bathtub. No, they're well, waterproof. They now. Oh, they're waterproof. <laughs> do take them into the bathtub. Died in the bathtub. I bought Adults a friend a vibrating rubber ducky too? as a gift one time. So wait, what? I bought a friend a vibrating rubber ducky. <gasps> As a gift one time. That is so specifically made for the bathtub. That is <laughs> I'm just brilliant. too old, I guess. Behind the times. <laughs>